And we cry, worthy, worthy, worthy. We cry, worthy, worthy, worthy. We cry, worthy, worthy, worthy. Is the Lamb. And we cry, awesome, awesome, awesome. think of it as a superlative, but it is a superlative of superlatives. You cannot improve on holy. You can say holier, but it's still holy. You can say holiest, but it's still holy. But if you add another holy, it adds another dimension to it. God is not just holy, but He is holy, holy. And He's not just holy, holy. He is holy, holy. 
In the book of Revelation, there's a recording that John made on pen and paper in your Bible, uh, printing press and paper in your Bible, where he said he saw these creatures flying around the throne saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. If you'll look in your margin of your Bible sometime, they actually say it nine times in a row. And the translators took it upon themselves to limit it to us. Like, all right, all right, we get the point. But in reality, they're really doing something. Because God is not just holy, holy, holy. He is holy, holy. See, it modifies every time you add one. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. Lord God Almighty, who is in the present, who was in the past, and who is to come in the future. Aren't you glad that He chose for you to know Him? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. What an honor to approach and worship such an incredible being, the creator of the universe, who's altogether separate, and yet we're allowed to commune with Him. Because the blood of His Son and His payment for our sins upon the cross has made us holy. Thank you, you, Lord. Thank you, you, Lord. Can we just show our appreciation to the Lord one more time? Thank you so much. Thank you, team. Thank you. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor, I feel like we could go on. I want you to feel like that every Sunday. Because he is worthy, amen. And we are going to go on today. Come back at 6. We're going to go on and on and on and on. Worshiping our holy, 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 holy God. You don't want to miss it, amen. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we are going to fly because we have a very important subject. Today we're addressing question 10. In our Tough Questions, Thinking People Are Asking series, the reason this question is raised because there are two passages of Scripture in your New Testament that seem to say quite strongly that women don't have much of a public ministry, yet it contradicts other verses. And so today I want to clear this up once and for all so that when somebody comes to church and says, why does your church let women speak? You can give them a CD and not have to argue, amen? Put it between them and God and their Bible. Praise the Lord. So turn to 1 Corinthians 14, if you will. While you're turning there, I'll make a couple of announcements. Uh, we have believers meetings here on Wednesday nights. We go deeper than we go on Sundays in worship. So if you want more, come back on Wednesday, amen? You need manna every day, not just get your fill on Sunday. So come back, inspiring music, edifying teaching by different members of the body and spirit-filled ministry. Amen. And of course tonight we have our praise celebration at 6. We're going to fellowship at 6 and amen. And around 6.30, 6.45, definitely before 7, music's going to start. We're going to begin to worship the Lord. We do have a word of instruction. We have nursery up through age 3. All children age 4 and above need to stay with their parents. Can we say that? Stay with their parents. Don't want them, with a big crowd as we're going to have, it won't be safe for them to be apart from you. So, obviously, if they have a black belt in karate and they're 13, well, okay, let them run out on the highway if you want to. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14. Before attempting to address this important question, let me say right from the start that I believe and totally agree with 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let's all say all Scripture. So if your interpretation of Scripture causes Scriptures to contradict themselves, you don't treat the Bible like a cafeteria and say, Well, I'll take some of that. I won't take any of that and let your eyes glaze over and skip over it. No, we've got to dig into the Word. And see what God is saying. While wholeheartedly agreeing. Maybe these mics are picking up the AC. While wholeheartedly agreeing also with 2 Peter 1 verses 20 and 21. Which reads, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man. 
but by holy men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I agree with that. Here's another New Testament passage that we should all keep in mind when approaching the Holy Bible and learning from its inspired context, contents and context. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent, that is, the Old King James says, Study to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, that is, rightly applying it, rightly interpreting it. With this instruction in mind, let us dive in and read our main text for today. I believe the Bible with all my heart is inspired by God. Everything he wrote in there was written to be inspired, but you must keep in mind it was written to a specific place and a specific time for a specific purpose, and yet the Holy Spirit gave them words that could apply to us all, yet we are expected to study and come to a place of understanding. Amen? Amen. Just because somebody quotes you a verse out of Job doesn't mean it's God's word for you. You've got to go, go back and look. Was Satan speaking there? Because he speaks in the book of Job in a few places. Who said that statement? Were those Job's comforters putting him down? You know, so, so we've got to approach the word with wisdom, with a heart to learn. How many want to move forward? All right, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 38 has this statement. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. But they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it only you that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Because of many who interpret these scriptures literally, Anne Graham Lotz, after being introduced as a speaker at one of her denomination's conferences years ago, back in the 80s, had the unfortunate experience as she approached the podium of seeing dozens of men turn their chairs around in a very noisy fashion, protesting the fact that she was there to speak because She's violating the word of God based on these verses that we said. Now, we all, who, those of us who've heard Billy Graham's daughter know she's an incredible speaker. She has something to say. But why did these men do this? Because they took those verses literally. Now, you've got to understand that there are things that we say that we say to be taken literally, but there's also things we say where we expect the person to think and apply them. Uh, sometimes it's not the law, it's the spirit of the law that our administrators in Austin and D.C. write laws for us to understand the intent of those laws. Um, Last summer, four brothers from our church, including me, a couple of them were younger brothers, went to a Rangers game. And about halfway into the game, uh, one of the brothers gave a younger brother a $20 bill and said, go get us some pretzels. Well, the younger brother took him literally, and he came back with $20 worth of pretzels. So we teased him the rest of the day. If you're in this room, I hid your identity because I love you. don't want to hurt your feelings. And I didn't get a chance to talk to you before service to give you, uh, to get your permission. So anyway, so please don't ask me who that was. Anytime we interpret and apply a passage of Scripture in a way that contradicts other verses, our interpretation, our application can be wrong of either one of those. In the following are some reasons why I believe a literal translation, uh, translation, interpretation of this passage is contrary to what other things the Bible has to say. All right, here's some possible contradictions to a literal interpretation of the verses we just read. Uh, Number one, prophesying is biblical, amen? And it's for both genders. Look at what Acts 2 said. And it shall come to pass in the last days, Peter quotes Joel 2, says God that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters, we say and your daughters, shall prophesy. Well, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, can we say maid servants? I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they, let's say they, They. shall prophesy. prophesy. So it's predicted 
that men and women, sons and daughters, men servants and maid servants would prophesy, right? In Acts 21, we have an, an example of Philip. He was one of the seven men that were ordained to help serve the widows there in the early church. Um, said that he had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So these girls spoke forth. Number two, instructions for prophesying is for both men and women. 1 Corinthians 1, 2 gives the address to whom this entire letter from which these scriptures came, our text today. Paul begins this letter saying, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. How many has been called to be a saint? I mean, that's all of us. So this letter is written to everyone. All right. Verse 11, chapter 11, verse 4, he's talking about head coverings, basically talking about authority in the home. The husband is to be the leader in the home. He is to represent Jesus. And the wife is to let him lead and represent the church. How many knows the church doesn't perfectly follow Jesus? All right, so let's not expect more out of our wives than, than the church. So, amen. Hey, Jamie. Hi. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. To me, this means that, um, and then verse uh, chapter 14 says that you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be encouraged. Back to the passage in chapter 11, if a home is out of order, the wife doesn't need to be ministering, neither does the husband. In fact, there's another passage of scripture that says the husband's prayers are hindered if he doesn't dwell with his wife in an understanding manner. So God expects the home life to be in order so that we can move forward and not dishonor one another in ministry. So instructions for prophecy includes both men and women. Number three, prophesying, prophesying cannot be done silently. You know, I've heard people say, I'm prophesying on my guitar. I'm not sure if they really are, if they're just jamming. But it cannot be done silently. It just can't unless you're writing it on paper. So maybe the women can write notes in Corinthians. Oh, I think that would, that could create another problem. All right. First Corinthians 14.3 says, He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now I can just hear somebody say, See, men. Men. But you've got to understand the, the Bible refers to mankind as a whole that we are all the sons of God. We are all part of the bride of Christ. So don't get our genders mixed up here. He's speaking to people, that people who prophesy speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. The New Living Translation says, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Now, can you do that silently? Can't be done. The complete Jewish Bible says, but someone prophesying is speaking to people, edifying, encouraging, and comforting them. The Good News Bible translates it like this, but those who proclaim God's message speak to people and give them help, encouragement, and comfort. So New Testament prophecy is not to condemn, and it's not really foretelling the future. It is encouraging us to face the future, challenging us, exhorting us. I mean, I think it could include that, but... It's definitely spoken. If I were to get up here and preach silently. Now, there are, there are some churches, I don't want to throw stones at, any, any, at anybody, that believe in cessationism, that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. There is no prophecy. Our version of prophecy today is preaching. So only the professionals may prophesy, that is, preach. So they got God in a nice little container where he is silent, pretty much. Unless he's telling someone, I've called you to preach, then suddenly the rule is broken. But 
They're talking out of both sides of their mouth because if prophecy ceases, yet preaching is prophecy, then they're the strongest ones that say women can't preach. So it really doesn't erase the issue of, contradic- of scriptures contradicting themselves by saying prophecy doesn't exist anymore today because they also say preaching is prophecy. The point is the gifts have not ceased. They are for today. And the existence of the Bible, as wonderful as it is, did not do away with some of its subjects. You know, who ever heard of a book that did away with what it was talking about? This book's talking about the activity of God. The book of Acts is about the activity of the Holy Spirit. So now we have the book, and God's no longer speaking, no longer active. It's, it's just moronic to me. I'm sorry, but I don't get it. All right, here's another possible contradiction. We're living under grace and not the law. Look at what he said. Let the women keep silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but they're to be submissive as the law also says. But here's, here's a, there's two problems, basically. There's no law. I've searched the Old Testament. Get your high-tech concordance out, whether it's Strong's, Crudence, or Young. Strong's for the strong, Crudence for the crude, and Young's for the young. Or your computer out. There is no verse in the entire Old Testament that tells women to be quiet. It's not in there. So we've got a question mark there that we'll come back to later, possibly find an answer. I don't know. But look at what Paul wrote in Romans 6.14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You mean, Pastor, we don't live under the Ten Commandments? Well, first of all, the Ten Commandments don't say women be quiet. And second of all, Jesus fulfilled the law and called us to live by two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said all the Old Testament law, all 600 of those laws, hang on that. Loving God with everything. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he made everything in the law a matter of the heart. Don't hate someone because that, that gets close to murder. You've got murder in your heart. So anyway, we, we'll skip over that. The point is, we don't live under Old Testament law. We're called to observe the commandments of Christ. And he never said women be quiet. In fact, when he rose from the dead, guess who proclaimed the news first? A woman. Yes, pastor, but church buildings weren't in existence yet. And God does not dwell in temples made with hands. We call this a church, but in reality it's not. It's a tool that we, who are the church, use. It's a church house. It's the place we use to assemble together to come in out of the rain and out of the cold. How many are glad about that? Amen. So, contradiction here, a big question mark for me. Number five, the law never said that women should be silent. Or I already got ahead of myself there. Let your women keep silent in the church and not permitted to speak as the law also says. Uh, the contemporary English version translates that. The women must not be allowed to speak. They must keep quiet and listen as the law of Moses teaches. It doesn't. Now, the laws that the rabbis came up with that Jesus challenged again and again had some stupid commandments in it. A woman should not be allowed to light the Sabbath lamp because she deceived Adam and was the cause of his death. So on the Sabbath, you couldn't light a lamp. Uh, all women are by nature greedy, eavesdroppers, and envious. This is... <laughs> This is what, now, if you're here like that, you're a male, you need to repent. You're female, you need to repent. Uh, Men who talk with women bring evil upon themselves and will end up in hell. Well, it depends on what you're talking about. I mean, there are borders you don't need to cross. Don't need to be calling 1-800-TALK-TO-ME-BABY. Um... This was the rabbinical writings that said women at synagogue needed to be seated at least 15 steps away from the men. So, so 45 feet away, imagine a gap, 45-foot gap. Women over here, men over here. Junior's, junior's sitting with daddy and wets his pants. Guess who gets to change him? So 
So it's just, you know, it's a question mark. I think this verse needs to be interpreted, don't you think? Take it literal, but there's six other, six other contradictions I see. Um, five other, that is. Number six was next. Taking these verses literally means total silence. Let the women be silent. It is shameful for a woman to speak in church. The word he used, shameful, there could also be translated obscene. Take it literally. And all the churches that say women shouldn't talk at church do not take it literally. They're hypocrites. Sorry. Can't have your cake and eat it. Let your women keep silent in the churches for they're not permitted to speak. They are be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for women to speak in church. What's a poor single sister get? I guess she has to stay ignorant, right? There's no husband to ask at home. Taking these verses literally creates problem contradictions. Number seven, it would be impossible for the women who Paul recognizes as ministers to the church to do so without speaking. Yes, but he spoke to them outside the church service. Let me tell you something. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. So you're never really out of church. You're not. There may be a time to officially begin a meeting where the, congreg- where the congregation's conversations cease and we focus together on singing or worshiping or hearing someone teach the word. But we're, it's church. Sometimes the best part of our service is when I say amen and everybody walks out the door and fellowships out there. There's prayer going on. There's healing. There's miracles that can happen. There's relationships restored. There's people getting things right that have been at odds. That's church. How can you do that without speaking? Look at who Paul recognized. In Romans, he says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who's a servant of the Lord in Centria." that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Now, let me blow your mind. The word servant is the word deacon or minister. It's diakonos. There's a woman minister. Uh Uh-oh. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risk their own necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Now Priscilla and Aquila were a couple that took Paul in when he was broke and they had a tent making business and he helped them and he discipled them along the way. So he he taught them. Paul taught Priscilla and Aquila. He didn't teach Aquila and then Aquila taught Priscilla. He spoke to both of them. Jesus spoke to women, so did Paul. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. He didn't say greet the church that's in Aquila's house. Greet the church that is in Aquila and Priscilla. This woman had a ministry. Now, I give an example of churches that try to apply this verse literally where they're hypocrites. You ever been to a church that has interpretation for the deaf? 90% of the time, it's a woman. I'm sorry, but that's speaking in church. Anyway, get back to it. I'm just going to stop picking on other churches. Bad pastor, all right. <laughs> if Paul personally, I just get upset because people are being ripped off. If Paul personally greeted women by name in his letters, then he certainly would have communicated with them earlier. Wouldn't greet people that he never had a conversation with. Romans 16, 6, greet Mary who labored much for us. Which Mary was that? I don't know, but there was a bunch of them, and they all were doing awesome things. <laughs> Greet Trophina, that's a woman, and Trophosa, that's a woman. Maybe there were twins. Trophina and Trophosa. Think we can bring that name back? <laughs> what do you think, honey? Trophina or Trophosa? Be quiet, woman, I'm the dad. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the neck. All right. <laughs> Who have labored in the Lord? Greet. The beloved Persis, this was a Persian woman, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen the Lord and his mother and mine. So Paul did not hate women. Greet 
Philologus and Julia. I have a cousin named Julia. Nereus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greeting these people, acknowledging their value. He had to have known them. This has to have been done with something being heard, unless they were writing notes or something. I don't know. If Paul personally greeted women by name in his letters, then he certainly would have had to have communicated with them earlier. I said that already, right? Must be some more verses coming up here. Second Timothy 4.19. Greet Prissa and Aquila. That must be short. She must have had a nickname. Priscilla became Prissa. And Aquila, or maybe it's another couple. And the household of Ornesiphorus. Eubulus greets you as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. So how does Claudia send a greeting without speaking? Because Paul wasn't her husband, so how, how does this happen? No, uh, contradiction number nine. Aquila's wife Priscilla did not follow this literal application. 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen. This very letter. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Priscilla's got to have said, hey, tell the Corinthians. We said hi. Bad, Priscilla. Don't be talking in the church house. Now, in Acts 18, there's a story of a certain Jew named Apollos who was born at Alexandria and an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. He came to Ephesus and he began ministering. But he didn't quite have his doctrine straight. Verse 26, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they, say they, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Oh my goodness, there's a woman teaching a man. What are we going to do? Well, her husband was with her. So maybe we can do that. We can have a woman preacher as long as the husband's right there by her. It's just... We're straining at gnats and swallowing camels if we take this verse literally. All right? Little Bible customs here. Jesus warned, told the Pharisees they strained at gnats and swallowed camels. And that day, bugs sometimes would get in your drink, right? So if you drank a beverage that might have bugs in it, you sip it through your teeth. And pick the bugs out. But there's a camel in your drink. All right. Paul's writing to this book was due in part to the family of a woman named Chloe. Here's a woman involved in him even writing this book. For it has been declared to me, 1 Corinthians 1.11, concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Her family told on him. They were fighting. I've been born of, baptized by Paul. I was baptized by Apollos. And maybe there was one of the early disciples, you know, one of the early 500 disciples said, but Jesus baptized me, you know. And, and uh, he had to sort him out. It was through the ministry of Chloe's household. That this letter came to be written. Four possible interpretations that would remove the contradictions. You read it, it seems pretty strong. How in the world are we going to do? Cut it out of our Bible like Thomas Jefferson cut parts out of the Bible that he didn't like? No. Here's one possible interpretation. This congregation's divisive issues along with their disorderly meetings and the book speaks to both, may have resulted in Paul bringing this strong word of correction. You know, it's hard to unscramble eggs. And if people are fighting and arguing, you could begin to settle a matter and say, look, we're going to make a rule here. Um, let's just let the brothers speak. In the synagogue, often there were debates. And I don't know about you, but when brothers are present, it's not good to argue with that brother's wife. It's just not. Not a good idea. All right, another possible interpretation. Because the Greek word for woman also means wife, gune, from which we get the word gynecology, means woman, but it also means wife. And the word for man also means husband. 
You know, that's not too far of a concept from us. Your wife is your woman. Your husband is your man. Um, This is why men who want to be husband and wife doesn't make any sense because they're both men. I guess I'll be husband and husband. Because the Greek word for woman also means wife and the word for man means husband. Maybe Paul was calling Christian husbands to step up their spiritual leadership at home, especially if these wives were uneducated. So if you read it, let the wives be silent. It it takes the edge off and, and helps you maybe to understand a little more. But I still have questions. Perhaps another, a third possible interpretation, perhaps the words, let your women keep silent, did not mean all forms of speaking, but rather that which be, would be disruptive to public meetings. Let the women not be having conversations in church. Yeah, but we haven't seen each other all week. Well, wait till after service. Could be. He was correcting other disorderly things in the service. All right. Here is another possibility you may never have heard, but it is possible. Verses 34 and 35 might actually be a quotation of something that Paul did not agree with from an earlier letter he had received from them. Now, why would I say that? This is possible because these two verses seem to contradict his previous words. I've already talked about that, so we won't bear on that. This is possible because this letter was written in response to what they had been writing to him. We spoke about that. Chloe, her household, let him know some things. And here's another example from chapter 7, verse 1. He's fixing to talk about sex and marriage. He says, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me. Concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But... To prevent sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, let each woman have her own husband. Now, he wrote those based on what they wrote to him. So this letter was a communication. There had been some communication going on. Have you ever read read someone else's email and it didn't make sense to you? Ever got sent the wrong email and you needed some clarification? You ever read somebody's Facebook status and and it didn't make sense to you? Because they were, they were using the status window to communicate with other people. We're looking in to their conversation. So we've got to have some understanding here. This possibility could clear up the matter with a law that does not exist. And we are not under it if it did. If they were preaching that this was law. Paul just comes out with what they said and then and then come out verses 36 through 38. When you read those verses from this point of interpretation, it actually gives credence to this communication, to this interpretation. Did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it only you that it reached? The King James begins with these words in the very next verse. Not permitted for a woman to speak. Um, Let me read those verses. I don't have them on the screen. Let the woman keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says, which we know it doesn't. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. The very next verse says, in the King James says, What? Came the word of God out from you? Or came it unto you only? The Amplified Version says, What did the word of God, word of the Lord originate with you? Or has it reached only you? You know, who gave you guys uh, the patent on women speaking? I don't know. The basic Bible English version says, What? Was it from you that the word of God went out? Or did it only come into you? You guys have some unique revelation here? And verse 37 says, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. I don't know. I share with you ten contradictions and four possible interpretations. 
It's between you and God. I just know if you take it literally, it creates contradiction. You cannot take it literally. If you take it literally, then women must never speak around believers. You kill their fellowship. Oh, they can speak with women. But wait a minute. If man is their head, if man is their authority, but they can only speak in the absence of their authority, I see some problems there. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. We're looking into their conversation. This is one possibility that he was repeating what they had said and addressing it. So I leave it with you. And in conclusion, what about 1 Timothy 2, 12 through 15? This is an interesting passage. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Now keep in mind, woman also means wife. What if he meant to say, I do not permit a wife to teach or to dominate her husband, but to be a quiet person? For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. What in the world is that? And then look at this. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. If you take this literally, then you're saying the blood of Jesus is not enough to save. And that a single woman can't be saved or a barren woman cannot be saved. Because you've got to have kids to go to heaven. What was Paul doing? Well, it is a known fact that the Gnostics like to take the Bible stories and turn them around in the reverse. And they had done that with the story of the fall of man. And had Eve created first. And Adam being the one who goofed up. So it could be Paul was clarifying that error. It could be... There was a woman teaching this, and she needed to hush. I don't know. Verse 15 troubles me the most. She'll be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. It's like women are saved by works. I wanted to look at some other translations. What do they do with verse 15? The Amplified says, Nevertheless, the sentence put upon women of of pain and motherhood does not hinder their soul salvation and they will be saved eternally if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control, save indeed through the childbearing or by the birth of the divine child. The position of women has been redeemed, if they would get blamed for the fall of man, was redeemed by Mary, the virgin, bringing forth the son. It was a fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 that says the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. Eve was looking for that promise to be fulfilled. When Cain was born, she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And boy, was that boy a disappointment. He killed the second born, Abel. Then her third child was born, Seth. She said, I have gotten another man from the Lord. She was looking for that redeemer that we were all looking for. The Message Bible says it like this. On the other hand, her childbearing brought about salvation, reversing Eve. But this salvation only comes to those who continue in faith, love, and holiness, gathering it all into maturity. You can depend on this. There were great heresies in their day, just as there is in our day. And it was a two-way conversation with Timothy, bringing some correction to his leadership of the church in Ephesus, which was a much better church than Corinth, but they weren't a perfect church. Who knows there's no perfect church? If you're looking for one, don't join it because it will then no longer be perfect. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So I leave it with you. And let's pray. Father, I've shared my heart on this very important question the place of women in ministry. I thank you, Lord, that we have been redeemed. And your word says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And it does not distinguish between redeemed men and redeemed women. In fact, Paul wrote that in the kingdom, there's no male or female, that we are all children of God. 
And so, Lord, we know the distinguishing of the genders is important in raising children and in the functioning of a home in a peaceful manner because two heads is a freak. And so, Lord, we pray that every marriage in this house, Lord, where there's been disunity and disharmony, that you would bring unity, that the man would step up to the plate and begin to lead. And, Lord, may he understand that that is servant leadership, not dominating leadership, that Jesus is his model, not Bubba down at the feed store. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy that is upon our, upon our lives. I pray, Lord, for those to whom this sermon has generated more questions. I pray, Lord, they would seek it, seek you, and dig out the answers so that their understanding of your word does not have contradictions and would weaken their faith. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray, Lord, if anyone does not know you, Lord, may they uh, understand that this Christian faith is not sexist it is not something that puts people down because they are women but lord it lifts us all up because you have redeemed us and lord may you put in their heart a desire to learn more about you in jesus name amen i want to end the service by celebrating the fact that we have been redeemed amen we've been saved Amen. So ladies, if some man puts you down for what Eve did, thank God for Mary. Amen. By the way, the man was standing right there with her when she fell. And uh, he was the moron in that story.
those in the house that appreciate our sisters. Amen. Most churches in America would have to shut down if you remove the sisters from it. They are are definitely the hands and feet of Jesus. Appreciate you. It's our desire by faith. There is no glass ceiling here. Let God raise you up. Your gift will make room for you. So you don't have to play politics and all that other feminist agenda. Just serve the Lord and let Him raise you up. Amen. There's opportunities to serve everywhere. If you want to know, just ask us. I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Say so. Come on, say it again. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed Come back at 6 o'clock. It's on. It's on. It's on. Okay.